This message was presented at the GYC 2016 conference, when all has been heard, in Houston, Texas. For other resources like this, visit us online at www.gycweb.org. Okay, we are going to have a good time. I'm so glad everyone's here. Uh, what I wanted to do was make sure the computer works. If we could say a word of prayer, and then we're going to sing a song together, and then we will dive in. So we have the Bambrick Trio here with us this morning, and uh, they're going to lead us with the song, Turn Your Eyes Upon Jesus. We're going to sing it, sing it hearty, sing it loud. We're going to have the the lyrics on the screen, and then we'll dive in. So if we could uh, bow our heads for prayer, that'd be great. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this opportunity to be in this room this morning. Lord, we pray that you will pour out your spirit in this room. I believe you have a message for each of us individually, and I pray that you will speak loudly to us. Bless us as we sing. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Hi guys, can you hear this? Cool, so we got this guitar like 10 minutes ago. We haven't done a sound check, so you're gonna have to sing really loud. Okay, is that a deal? <laughs> By tomorrow it should be better, hopefully. That was pretty good. 
Thanks, guys. Thank you for your help. I find it fascinating that in the story of David and Saul that we learn the lesson that music can ward away demons. Fascinating. So we hope they are gone outside of this room now. I'm so excited to be here with you. Can you hear me okay? All right. And there's, there's plenty of room down front. If you guys want to come sit down front, please join us. We're going to cover a lot of content, uh, social media, artificial intelligence, Mars, uh, selfies, sharks, elephants. I mean, I've got a whole bunch of stuff I want to share with you. Uh, the big picture theme is we live in a world of media, and we should not be afraid of media. We should not let circumstances dictate how we act, we should be the masters of circumstance, especially Seventh-day Adventists. So I'm, I'm excited to be here with you. Um, I have the pr privilege of working at the General Conference with the Adventist Review and Adventist World magazines. And we are working on some exciting things. One of those is something you'll hear more about tonight during the program called ARTV. And I want to show you a short promo about what that is all about. I just had the privilege of being in South Africa where we were filming in virtual reality uh, with some great white sharks and elephants and uh, lemurs, birds. It was absolutely fantastic. I'm going to show you one of the clips in another presentation. Virtual reality is about to take off. And uh, we're trying to really get in front of that with ARTV. So you can get it on any device, Apple TV, Roku, uh, soon Samsung Fire, let's see, uh, Amazon Fire, Samsung TV, and uh, iOS, Android, all the good stuff. So check it out. If you've got content, we want to share that content. So please find me, and if you've got some good stuff to share, I'd love to see it. Uh, my wife and I live in Adairsville, Georgia, just north of Atlanta. We just moved there recently. Uh, we've got a few acres and now the next thing is looking for some goats, we've been told. And then we need two donkeys to protect the goats from the coyotes. Any, anybody have animals here? OK. So uh, yeah, we're, we're learning that as we go. I am obsessed with technology. 
Our home is uh, gadgeted to death, if you will. Uh, after you hear some of these presentations, you may wonder why. And uh, that may just be my desire to be connected where I can control what seems like everything in my life from my phone. Uh, I get notifications on my phone when the temperature's dropping and we need to cover certain plants. Uh, when the soil is too dry, it's time to water the plants. Uh, all this crazy stuff. So I, I love technology, but we just need to know how we're engaging with technology, uh, what it's all about, who's behind it, and uh, how we can use it in the best possible way. So today, this morning, we're going to talk specifically about the future of technology, but of planet Earth. And uh, I'm really excited about this. A Sabbath afternoon will be kind of a recap of all these presentations. Uh, somehow, in some way, we're going to try and cram all the little nuggets together. And that one's called Lucifer Coming Soon. And that one's, uh, that's an exciting one. So I'd love to connect with you. If you're on social media, please find a way, let's connect, share ideas, and uh, let me know how the Lord is leading you. During the presentation, I would love to see if we could get some questions going. So if you'll go on your smartphone to sli.do, and you'll enter that code on the bottom, 6923, and you can ask questions that we'll try and address those at the end. I'm trying to shoot for 30 minutes, and then we'll have time for Q&A in each of our presentations. So 6923, there's also a poll there, and uh, we will uh, we'll address those at the end. So the program has a few different titles than what I've used, but same idea, same theme. And uh, some may get me in more trouble than others, but they will be, uh, I think, relevant. Down here on the left, my wife and I were just, uh, as I said, filming with great white sharks, and they put us in a cage. Then we had a chance to get out of the cage with the camera. And uh, if you've never done that, it's, it's an adventure. All right, here we go, the future. I'm gonna need some interaction. So you'll just speak loud and I'll try and uh, say it again so that the filming and the recording can hear it. We're all individuals engaged with society. So what I wanna know from you is, tell me about the future. I just asked two young ladies in South Africa, tell me about the future. And they told me, well, this is probably what the future will look like. Is anybody willing to say that? What's the future look like? And, and maybe I should qualify it. The Lord has not returned in 20 years. What's the future look like? Because Seventh-day Adventists believe in the second coming. But if he has not returned in 20 years, what does society look like? What does culture look like? Any brave volunteers? Pretty grim? Decadent? Cashless? Controlled? Divided? You'll notice the theme here? What's the theme? These aren't positive things, right? Anything else? Is there anything positive? Anybody say, well, in the future, this is positive. We're connected, okay? Total member involvement. Total member involvement. What else? What is it? More violent. More violent. Water short. Water we slipped back to the negative, if you'll notice. <laughs> yes. Stressed out. Say it again. As in the days of Noah. Clean energy. The spreading of the gospel. Say it again. Out of this, or so country living. 
More people living in the countryside, okay. More technology, Amazon, everything. Okay, so all right, we've got a synopsis from a lot of us. This is the future. I want to show you something from 1993 from AT&T called, it was an ad campaign, You Will. So that's uh, 93, we're done like 93 to 95, so we're talking 20 plus years ago. How many people were born in 1993? I love that question. That's great. Okay, so this was the future being portrayed by AT&T seeking to be visionary in All right, any of those technologies that you have not actually seen in your life? I can think of only one. The video phone, it's in my pocket. Driver's license, yeah, I just got my driver's license renewed. I would have loved that technology. I'm gonna call AT&T and tell them there's one more you haven't figured out. But companies have figured a lot of these out. And this was the imaginary world of the future. We are living at a pace where technology is is going at blinding force. Every day there are breakthroughs that no one would have imagined. Absolutely fascinating. Now, what I find fascinating is Jesus makes this statement. I've told you these things before they happen so that when they do happen, you will believe. Now, he's referring, obviously, to the words that were spoken that were, are recorded in Scripture. And by knowing what's recorded in Scripture, may I suggest we then have the ability, I subscribe to Wired Magazine. It's a fascinating magazine. This issue, I think is the newest issue. Yeah. It tales from an uncertain future. They basically wrote articles as if we were in the year like 2045. And looking back 
Natasha Obama is now president. Uh, all these different things, uh, right? Where the future, and we're looking backwards, and then we're talking about things where we have advanced. For me, this could be, you know, kind of just cloudy. Like, okay, maybe that's the future. If I didn't have scripture to give me some basis for things, right? So then you take something like the New York Times. And this is, this is last week. I read this on a flight, uh, and I found it fascinating because there was like eight articles that were very relevant to me as a Seventh-day Adventist. The front page article, Republics and How They End. Fascinating piece by Paul Krugman, basically, on this is how the Republic of Rome failed, and America is falling in the same footsteps. Um, talking about corruption in business, technological advances, the surveillance state. When Scripture is your basis and your worldview, you can interpret things and you don't have to be blown about every day by confusing ideas of what tomorrow may bring. Now having said that, we still live in a world where technology is moving and we have to know how to engage with it. Someone that is seemingly every single day at the forefront of technology is someone named Elon Musk. Everybody, who's heard of Elon Musk? Okay, Elon Musk has uh, a number of companies, uh, Tesla, SpaceX, I think it's Solar City. He made a lot of his money with PayPal. And he now has a passion to get to where? Mars. We're going to Mars, right? So I just want you to hear the passion that he shares about going to Mars. he's just talking my language because I also desire a city that is completely sustainable outside of this planet. 
And what's fascinating, he glosses over the idea that there are two paths for humanity. What was the first one? Stay on Earth until when? A catastrophic extinction event. And thus his, his impetus, we got to get off this planet. It's absolutely fascinating. So, one of the lines he uses, what I want to do is make blank seem possible. Something that we can do in our lifetimes that you could go there. I'll tell you about the most uh, excuse me, imaginary thing in Christianity, in Adventism. You ready for it? That heaven is real. This is the biggest fairy tale in the Advent movement. We don't talk about it. Anytime somebody does talk about it, it's naked babies on clouds playing an instrument. And it never becomes tangible. Because anytime we try and touch on it, we usually try and say, everything we loved and liked and enjoyed on this earth will not be in that sustainable city. And I would like to just put a challenge out there. We need to be thinking and dreaming on a greater scale than Elon Musk. He's got architectural drawings of this city on Mars. I'd love to see someone with artistic talent put some architectural drawings. We have the dimensions of the heavenly city. We can get creative. We have to start to dream and talk in a way where people hear us say, what I want to do is make paradise seem possible. Something that we could do or go to in our lifetimes that you could go there. It's got to become real. We have to talk like this in a real way where people hear us and they say, that's kind of like Elon Musk's vision. Because at this point, he's got the best idea getting off the planet unless people hear the Advent message. This is the most plausible solution unless people hear the Advent message. So I have to admire him. It's easy to pick people apart and take away all their flaws. I've got to admire him. At least he's dreaming. Now he has another thing that's quite interesting. It's called technological singularity. This is the idea. Last night I was checking in the hotel and someone asked me, what are you talking about? And I have completely switched my vocabulary, or at least tried to, to where if there are 45 atheists in the back corner this morning, I hope my language actually makes sense to them. If they've checked out of faith and they're like, you know, I don't know if this is all relevant to me, I pray what we talk about will become relevant, will seem real. So, in that aspect, the gentleman checking me in says, hey, what are you here for? I'm here for this conference. I'm really excited. Had the same conversation with somebody on the plane. What are you, what are you doing? Well, I have the privilege to speak. What are you talking about? Artificial intelligence and spirituality. Now, you'd think some people would say, oh, okay. He says, oh, artificial intelligence. That's interesting. The second part, eh, doesn't sound so interesting. He says, I've developed artificial intelligence. I'm in school for that. I said, wow, that's cool. I said, well, let me ask you something. Something I'm really fascinated with this whole study that I've been trying to get my head around is uh, what's the ethics and the morals we're going to give artificial intelligence? He said, man, I haven't given my artificial intelligence any ethics and morals. That's probably why the discussion of technological singularity. What's that? I have to admit that's pretty ignorant because this is like the big issue 
with artificial intelligence. Well, this is the belief that in 55 years or less, the artificial intelligence will become smarter than the humans and they'll kill us. Really. Now, Elon Musk shares that fear. He said, we need to be more afraid of artificial intelligence than we do nuclear weapons. And so it's like, oh, well, why is that? Well, because eventually they're going to look at us and say, you're imperfect and you should be destroyed like a virus. To me, this is so fascinating because as we talk about colonizing another place, as we talk about giving artificial intelligence uh, thinking ability, right, deep machine learning, the big issue that no one really is addressing is, will it abide by any set of laws? Will this city on Mars, what will be the laws of this city? Or if we don't have that, we are literally, there's no reason to think we're not just going to blow up Mars like we did Earth, right? There has to be some logic along that pathway. So, so we have to begin to engage with people and say, should we stay on Earth or should we go? I, th I think there's an inroads that we can have with people. With an Adventist mindset, it has never been easier, in my opinion, to be a Seventh-day Adventist in the United States. In other parts of the world, very difficult. I was in India recently. Uh, to be a Seventh-day Adventist, this is how it works. You work six days a week, and typically that includes Saturday. Uh, your job does not let you out of work. So to become a Seventh-day Adventist, you have to start your own business. And I met some young people starting their own businesses. Why do you have to start your own business? Because you have to find a way to allow yourself to keep the Sabbath. Because the Sabbath is, is this hot thing right now. Right? And, and then you get to keep the Sabbath, and then you get to become a Seventh-day Adventist. And, and it's amazing to me. Talk about evangelism. If that's the route, I think of Fruition Lab that was held recently. Uh, that could be the evangelism inroads into a country like India of who wants to enjoy the Sabbath and become a Seventh-day Adventist. We're going to start with step one. I'm going to show you how to start your own business. It, it's a fascinating reverse of ideas, unlike perhaps here in America where we have more laws that protect us. But the idea that we need to be dwelling in conversation and with people is, should we stay on this earth or should we go? Because sadly, as we all talked about the future, that's not unique to a Seventh-day Adventist audience. Grim, violent, dark, running out of resources, the climate has changed, the ice caps have melted, the animals are extinct. This is what secular scientists would tell you. The future is grim. We must go. We must do all we can to save. You see this, this issue taking place. And this is the case in film. If you've been exposed to trailers or films, or you know about what's being described on film, it's usually foreboding. I mean, you think about our lifetime. I'm saying our lifetime. I'm 35, and uh, we'll go from however old you are to however old you are. We've been exposed to this idea that the machines are coming, that, that war is coming, that uh, disasters are coming. It's, it's quite fascinating what media has embedded into our culture so that if this was a room full of people that, that didn't have a faith background or faith foundation, I think we'd get the same answers that we just came up with, which is quite fascinating. So people are thinking, 
people, when you think about the future, a lot of times people have this image of a post-apocalyptic world. Something has happened. As I asked two young ladies in South Africa, tell me about the future. Identical. They said, well, in the future, um, kind of looks like this. Really, that's your view of the future? Now, as a Seventh-day Adventist, how do we engage with that thought? So here's technology racing down one path. At the other path, we say, wait, if everybody is painting the picture that the future looks grim, then people should be more open to the idea of there's better solutions. I want to show you something. This is where Scripture comes back in very relevant. Isaiah 14 and Ezekiel 28 are two fascinating chapters in Scripture about Lucifer. And this one, everyone there will stare at you. So this is into the future, right? Picture, we've gone into the future. This is what the world looks like. And then this statement is being said to Lucifer. Everyone there will stare at you and ask, can this be the one who shook the earth and made the kingdoms of the world tremble? Is this the one who destroyed the world and made it into a wasteland? Is this the king who demolished the world's greatest cities and had no mercy on his prisoners? Scripture tells us that the individual responsible for the destruction is Lucifer. So as an Adventist, you've got to put that onto the table of what we're considering. What, what does the future look like? Ellen White makes a statement. While appearing to the children of men as a great physician who can heal all their maladies, which lets us know the world will be very sick in the future, he will bring disease and disaster until populous cities are reduced to ruin and desolation. So th this is the humbling thing. Scientists, visionary minds like Elon Musk, Ellen White, and Scripture paint a picture that at some point there is that moment of destruction that takes place. We don't really know how that, that happens. There's a lot of clues. Natural disaster, climate change seems to portray itself a lot in the writings of Ellen White and even in Scripture. And so as we engage with technology, we've got to know this is really where a lot of people see this going. How do we engage with it now in a positive way and, and what do we do with it? So here's how we engage with it. It has to depend on your worldview. How we engage with technology and artificial intelligence directly relates with your worldview. If you believe you are God's creation, that you were created by a creator, you're going to use technology differently. What technology will do for you will be different. But on the other hand, if you believe we are gods of creation, that the apex of evolution will, will be robots replacing human jobs, then it's a totally different worldview. Right? And, and we've got to figure out where do we fall in this mix. Technology is, somebody put a word there, what is technology is helpful, a tool, powerful, revolutionary. One more. What is it? Efficient. That's a good one. Expensive. All right. My thought was technology is time. 
Think about this for a second. Technology is time. Why do we use technology? It speeds things up. It, it speeds so many things up, so many processes up that would take a lot longer. Technology can speed up. So if you're engaging with us, I want to hear, there's a survey on the Slido. Is technology more good than bad or more bad than good? I'd love to hear everyone's thoughts. Was there technology in paradise? Is there technology in paradise? Will there be technology in paradise? How many say yes, there was technology in paradise? Zero hands. How many say yes, there is technology in paradise? Four hands. You are exactly right. How many believe there will be technology in paradise? Okay. He's exactly right. What is technology? If we really think about it, our typical definition of technology is something that plugs into a wall or has a battery, right? But let me ask you, what about something like the soil that seems to function almost constantly? Bacteria in the soil. Tommy, you know about this. this the soil is a technological powerhouse, and we, when we pour poisons on it, and hope to get a greater yield, that is like pouring water on your computer to hope it gets faster. Soil is unbelievable technology. Vitamin D synthesis, that I can go out in the sun, that chemical reactions can take place, and I can lower my cholesterol. Our bodies are unbelievable technology. We don't even have to plug them in, right? Reproductivity, might have to check the age limit before we talk about that subject. Seed germination. When we put a seed in the ground, there is technology that heats the seed. Ellen White describes electricity goes to the seed and the plant springs forth. Breathing trees. We wonder why pollution is increasing. We're cutting all the trees down. Trees are unbelievable technology. They take our bad and they give us oxygen. They take the CO2, they give us the oxygen. What a lesson of the gospel embedded in nature. They take the bad, they give us the good. Hunger. Hunger is amazing. Anybody ever get hangry around here? Yeah. It's like something going on here talks to something up here and then it leads my face to go like this and, and speak very quickly with people. And then love. Anybody ever been in love and like had this almost sick feeling in your stomach? Anybody? Come on. Like this, your stomach just is all in knots. Man, we need more people in love. So love, I believe love is technology as well. How about technology and history? We often think more of the plug-in kind, the battery kind. Press. The press arguably changed the world. The press arguably saved the world from utter destruction. Why? Gutenberg began pr printing Bibles led to the Protestant Revolution and Reformation, and I believe the world's prosperity is owed to that man. What amazing technology. The story goes that the gentlemen who were learning with him began to print Bibles the same, the same, the same, and somebody said, you can't write Bibles the same. Witchcraft is taking place here. And they, they tried to shut them down. The story of Gutenberg is fascinating. But the press was amazing technology. Radio, TV, and web has been amazing technology. We could have been afraid of it, 
but we engaged with it. And it, it has assisted in the mission of spreading the gospel to the world. Transportation, you think about how much time has been saved with transportation. When someone would have come to GYC from Australia a hundred years ago, would have been on a boat, then on a train, then maybe on a horse the last few miles, now it's a short flight or a longer flight if you're from somewhere longer away. These, I believe, we should engage with because they assist in something that we have as a mission, a message going out to the world. I find it fascinating that we are witnessing something in society based on our devices. A laptop, I would argue, is a production device. You're producing, it's got half of its guts for production. Any, any video editors out here? Any, any graphic designers? Artists, writers? You are producing with this. But the majority of the world is buying devices that are really just consumption devices. I mean, think about it. If we just looked at the tools and technologies, the majority of us with our phones, we're just consuming information. Never has there been a greater opportunity to use technology to get information into people's lives. Technology in the future looks like this. We won't need healthcare anymore. We've literally cracked the code thanks to the gospel. And Jesus has said, by the way, there's no death and sickness in this new place. Human flight, it's all changed. You won't need airplanes anymore. The trees will provide your food. And there's going to be a lot of music and arts. This paradise in our future will be, I, I think, loaded with technology. Uh, Ellen White described something that we, we should embrace technology because it frees up our time. We, we shouldn't shun it. But what we're going to look at in our coming seminars is where, where, is, where do the pitfalls come in? Because it can't just be all rosy, and we can't just look 50 years out and say, well, it ends bad, but let's enjoy it while it lasts. We've got to find a way to engage with it. Is technology our savior? Can anybody see the poll on, on Slido? What's, what's, what are we, what's our consensus here? Is it more good than bad, more bad than good? What's it? No active polls. Well, maybe I didn't click the right setting. I'll do that. Where are we at now? So there's a lot of us right now at an age where we've got to figure out, what am I going to do with my life? Right? Anybody ask that question? Okay, well, let me be the first. Every single morning, I ask the Lord, am I doing what you want me to do with my life? And then tomorrow morning, I usually say, is this what you call me to do? Now, maybe that's not a good trait, but every day I ask myself, sometimes at the end of the day too, man, is this what I've been called to do? I want to challenge you, continually ask yourself that question. Don't be afraid to pivot. Don't be afraid to say, you know what? This is a rut. I need to move out of this rut. And as you're thinking... Obviously, I'm assuming there's lot, a lot of Adventist mindset in this room. As you're thinking, where are we in the stream of prophecy? You have questions you're asking yourself every day. How am I engaging with this world I live in? How am I engaging with the technology? Is it 
molding me or am I using it to mold the world around me? And these types of questions circling this I think are very relevant right now. And let me tell you why. We live in a world of war. We live in a world where I can tell you from my travels in this past year, we are a match away from a rebellion and a revolution like the world has never seen. The young people in India are working themselves to death with the thought the only way out is work harder, 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 and, and I would argue it's much like the millennial generation here in the States. Well, we just work harder, just work more. The politics around the world is fragile. And the media is driving thought. We can see that from this past election. Americans on both sides of the aisle were pretty much shocked at the results of the election. And many people argue the reason was, was because Facebook, through the algorithms, didn't show us what was going on. There was a survey recently done at one of the Ivy League schools in this country where they asked students, how many of you would like to be taught ideas that conflict, that, that disagree with your current worldview? 13% said yes. 87% said, don't talk to me about ideas that disagree with what I already think. And so I want to ask you, as you engage with media, do you have friends that argue on one side of an issue and argue on the other side of an issue? Because here's the danger. If we're all in our own bubble and we think everyone agrees with us, we won't know how to engage with culture. We'll be shocked when someone disagrees with us. And our generation of millennials, more than any other, does not know how to deal with conflict. Right? I mean, when we disagree, it's usually a fight, or I don't like you anymore, or unfriend, or I'm not following them anymore. It's like, rarely is it, why do you feel that way? Right? It's usually, I'm tired of seeing that guy's opinions on that issue, or that girl's opinions on that. Get out of my life. Right? When it, if we wanted to be balanced, we would start to say, I need to find people that disagree with me. And not to prove them on another issue, I need to find why do we disagree? How do we disagree? Anybody? Is this relating with anybody? Can anybody relate with this? Some, some of us have... Our world is in social media. Our next presentation is going to talk about that. But our world is social media. My thoughts are what my friends think. I wouldn't dare tell them I think differently. I wouldn't have any followers. Right? I wouldn't dare disagree with them. They wouldn't invite me maybe in real life to somewhere. And, and so we're, we're surrounding ourselves in a world where it's artificial. We've, we've been trapped into this, and we're going to look at that soon, why we've been trapped into it. What is the allure with social media? How do we get sucked into this vortex where it's like, I cannot go a day without engaging with my social media. Am I addicted? Yes. When I don't have my phone in my pocket, like near the ocean or a pool, do I do this a lot? Yes. Grabbing for my phone. 
uh, you have artificial buzzes. Anybody ever relate with this? Oh, no, my phone. I don't have my phone. Why would my pants buzz? This is the weirdest thing. Right? I mean, your world is this. They said 87% of us now wake up sometime in the night to check our phones. It's, it's amazing, this, this culture we live in. Check this out. Ellen White says, Satan's policy in the final conflict with God's people is the same that he employed in the opening of the great controversy in heaven. That's why we've got to know how did this war begin? Because that's how it ends. He professed to be seeking to promote the stability of the divine government while secretly bending every effort to secure its overthrow. This is why we have to be very careful trusting these sources of information and media that are coming into our lives. Jesus can only tell the truth. Lucifer can do both. He can mix good and evil. It's his best strategy. That's exactly right. So when we're told something, often in the news, we believe it. Well, I mean, they're a big organization. They make billions of dollars. Why would they lie? I mean, you can't go around being successful and lying in the world. You have to be honest. Of course they're telling the truth. How could you? Are you a conspiracy theorist? Like, you don't think that they're really telling the truth? But I think this is the principle. If, if you haven't read it, go back. There's a book, The Story of Redemption. It's like chapters 1 and 2. It talks about the origin of the war. It was very, very smooth. Uh, in our terms, there were a lot of retweets and half-tweets going on. A lot of shares going on. Lucifer's method was, tell me your name. Sophia. His method was this. Tell me your name. Now, I've been talking with Sophia. You know, this whole issue with the government. Uh, you know, this is what we're thinking. Now, he has respect for Sophia. And now I get to back out. Because now he thinks, wow, there's, there's, this is an issue going on. Because they think that, and, and, and he shared that information, and then... And he goes over here and says, hey, so uh, you know, they're thinking this, and they're thinking this, you know, this is kind of the thing. This is what's popular. I mean, you wouldn't want to be in the out crowd. And, and, and in the nitty-gritty details, we start to learn that with the words, the vast majority of heaven was ready to start the revolution. Because, hey, everybody's in on this. We're told that it was the highest angels that were leading. He's got all the generals. He's got all the media. He's got all the leaders. He's got all the musicians. He's got everybody. And who would you be to stand against? I mean, we're the ones people listen to, right? And so you can see, why is this statement relevant? Why do I still put my stock in anything Ellen White wrote? Because this is reality. While the world is seeking to promote this agenda of peace and of safety, there is another thing coming. And we've got to find a way to engage with this reality. In our presentations, we're going to talk about just two things. There are two kingdoms. There are only two laws in the universe. I literally believe this. Before this earth was created, this is some of the crazy stuff that they probably won't invite me back for. I believe there were only two laws in all eternity past. One existed for the longest amount of time, and one existed for just a few minutes in heaven. We're going to talk about those. Two principles that these two laws represent. One of them is sustainable. 
The other is unsustainable. There's something that our generation is all about. Sustainability. How do we care for what we've been entrusted with? Is this sustainable? We should ask that about everything we're doing. Is the thing I'm doing sustainable? Could it happen for thousands of years? Is pouring poison on my plant to keep the bugs away a sustainable idea? We should ask ourselves that, right? We should consider, or is it unsustainable? And really, you have to put the 10,000, 100,000 year uh, framework around it. Because eternity is a big picture. We'll just shrink it down a little bit. Could this exist for 10,000 years? And if it can't, it's unsustainable. And so as we consider those things, our origin worldview, are we God's creation or are we the gods of creation? It's going to affect everything we do. It's going to affect how we treat sickness and disease. If I'm a random amount of chemicals, I will treat disease with chemicals. If I was designed with principles and given the nutrients to live by, then I'm going to treat disease differently than the next person. It should define what we eat and drink. It should affect our daily and weekly lifestyle, our health and longevity. Why am I concerned about the future? Because I eat one of those strange diets that the Blue Zones talks about, a plant-rich diet. So I am really hoping that I'm going to live like these 100-year-olds in Southern California. And so that's, uh, what, 65 years from now? At 55 years, they're talking about this extinction event. If you're younger than me, or if you're exceptionally healthy, we're going to see technology do things, if the Lord does not return, that are going to blow our minds. So we have to be thinking. We have to be the leaders in society. People are wondering where are we headed. We can't give them a grim future. It doesn't help you wake up in the morning to be discouraged that an extinction event is coming. You have to give people hope. We have to start to live and breathe this idea of paradise while we're on this earth so that when we get there, people say, oh man, this is, this is like it was, but only better. And the last thing is the ethics and morals we give artificial intelligence. This is going to be the big issue. Will these robots adhere to law? Our next presentation, I think we're going to take a 15-minute break after our slot here. Um, the selfie generation, that's going to be a fun one. We're going to talk surveillance, Facebook, social media, um, selfies and fame and a whole bunch of stuff. Uh, this picture is one of my favorite pictures I've ever taken with my wife. We had just got out of the cage, we got onto the top of the boat, and I'm like, there's a shark out there, I'm going to take 50 pictures, and one of them will work. And we got the shark in it, so uh, that's pretty exciting. Is there any questions and answers? Let's talk for a few minutes. Anything I said made sense? Totally confusing? Worthless? Valuable? Yeah? It should be 6923. Somebody have those questions pulled up? Like when people are putting the code in, it's not working? You got it to work? Okay, not the poll, yeah. What are, what are some of the questions? Any ones at the top? Oh, that is good. Can I read that? Just so I don't mess it up. On the topic of terraforming Mars, is there any scriptural evidence to suggest that this is a futile endeavor? That's a good question. 
What do we know as a student of Scripture about extraterrestrial life? Is there extraterrestrial life? That's pretty interesting. Like in a world that wonders, we're saying in a group of Bible-believing students, there's extraterrestrial life. We, we shouldn't be shocked when we see headlines about satellites being formed in China to communicate with extraterrestrial life. We believe there's extraterrestrial life. Why do we believe that? In Job, please. Okay, so. So, Job, we've got a reference in Job to extraterrestrial beings shouting for joy when the earth was created. You think they're shouting for joy today? It's, it's probably a sad television show. Like one I don't think they watch anymore, in all honesty. Is there any other references that we have in Scripture for why we? Broadly said, oh yeah, we believe in extraterrestrial life. Okay, we've got proof that, that two citizens of this earth are now in another place, Moses and Elijah, with the transfiguration scene. How about Hebrews? Yeah. I want to throw a logical consideration into here. Please. We cannot say that. So just because we need oxygen to live doesn't mean these extraterrestrial life forms we need. Okay, fair enough. That's fair. Uh, Hebrews. Hebrews gives us a glimpse. And what is that? All right, uh, I think it's Hebrews chapter 1, verse 2. Jesus is this, described as the creator of what? The worlds. So it's plural. So, so there's another bit of evidence. Job. Job was a good one. Uh, we're told that there's these councils in the heavens where the leaders of the planets come to. I mean, this is very science fiction sounding stuff from our Bibles. So, so back to the question, is it a futile endeavor? I, I, I'm not a, a source of fact on that. Uh, we humans need oxygen, right? So, I mean, the solution to warm up Mars' atmosphere, I've, I've seen uh, Elon Musk's ideas drop nukes on it. I, I don't know where that leads. If you drop nuclear weapons on a planet, it could affect things, right? So is it a futile endeavor? I would tell you, if we decided we're making Australia pretty moderate climate, our new safe haven for the future, that society will collapse without one law that sustains it. So I would say Mars is a futile endeavor. We haven't figured out how to care for this Earth. Why do we think we can do it right the next time? Like until we figure out the sin problem, the selfishness problem, we'll keep destroying planets. And I don't think that's what the Lord intended. Is there another question? Yeah.
Yeah, uh, we're marketed technology as very sexy. You know, the good-looking celebrity has the cool gadget. I need that. I want to be good-looking. The, the guy running down the street faster has the new watch. I want to be faster. I need a watch. Uh, the new tennis shoe. I mean, in, when I was 12 years old, it was those new tennis shoes are the technology that will make me jump higher. Anybody relate with that? Yeah, those will make me jump higher. So, so yeah, it's interesting. We, we are marketed in order to buy products that technology in the future is awesome. But when you get into the nitty gritty of, well, where does this technology lead us? Well, Hollywood shows me we blow ourselves up. So it, there is this strange dichotomy. It's like, at one hand, we think this, and the other hand, we're like, yeah, but I'm buying that new iPhone tomorrow. You know, it, it's kind of confusing. I think it's something we should consider. Why do we, why do we view the short term in such a positive light, but the long term, we're like, oh, it's bad out there. Just push bad off into the future. Talk loud. I think that's a good point. I think it's quite interesting that, yeah, I'll come to you one second. I think it's quite interesting that who are the greatest opponents of caring for the environment in, in the media? Who are the opponents? The Christians, right? Somebody back me up. I don't want to say something that's not true. Yeah, the Christians. The Christians are the greatest opponents of caring for nature and the environment, and they deny that climate change is even happening. They're the enemy, right? Now, sadly, here's the other side of that coin. We're going to leave this planet. It doesn't matter what we do with it. Jesus is coming. Destroy the thing. He's going to destroy it anyway. You can see how that's, that's got to, to a mind that doesn't understand all the spiritual sensibilities that you as a Seventh-day Adventist or I as a Seventh-day Adventist does. That sounds crazy. Like destroy something you were entrusted with and told to care for because you're getting a better, shinier toy? Like, what? All right, back here, then Elise up here. Yeah? So my question is, how are you defining technology? Is, it, is technology everything that God has invented? And you're, and you're saying that's technology? Or, I know I've read a spirit prophecy statement where she said, or we're told, that some inventions were, um, the men who invented them, they were influenced by God to invent them. Uh, yes. Sure, sure. Sure. So, um, you know, there's old technology, such as like a ground god knowing you, you know, the, the horses. You know, that's old, some people call that old technology. Is it more sustainable than new technology? For sure. That, then that's interesting. So I think, let's not let others define what technology is. If I've got a tree that keeps growing, and I keep caring for it, and he keeps giving me food each year, that's a sustainable, unbelievable piece of technology. And, and from a faith perspective, I've got different sources of sustainable power helping that tree grow. The sunshine, water. So I think we need to be embracing technology. To answer your question, technology is much bigger than electricity. 
It is much bigger than that. Technology is making things happen quicker. Quicker. Let me give you an example. I think the Holy Spirit, when it's poured out, will be technology on a level we've never considered technology. Uh, we're told uh, there were, what, teleportations in the New Testament with Philip? Like, that is so science fiction in the future, like beams of light stuff taking you from one place to another. We're told that was a reality. Yeah. Okay, so the prayer of technology, the technology of prayer. We, we should talk about that sometime. That's interesting. Adventism, how it meets the needs of sustainability. Um, I'll try, and then you tell me if I'm going in the right direction. Uh, our views on what we eat are very sustainable. Very sustainable. Uh, if, if I went on a rant, and I'll give me 20 seconds to go on a rant, the earth will have been destroyed because we ate it to death. We ate ourselves into extinction. We destroyed the rainforests, to plant GMO corn, to feed the cows so that we could kill them. I mean, if you're on another planet right now, you are so confused. Wait a second. They kill these cows by the day with like these electric shock bolts and stuff, but they have issues with killing rhinos. Like, that's weird. Like, they kill these little birds, but the big ostriches, they kind of have issue killing. Like, we're the most hypocritical planet that, that ever could have come into existence. It's, it's quite... It's insane. So our view on diet is very sustainable. Our view on climate change. We were entrusted with a planet that we should care for and not destroy. That's pretty sustainable. Uh, our view on community is very sustainable. Uh, caring for one another. Uh, so there, I think there's so many areas where you could address. We were given the sustainable message. Our message on health care was very sustainable. We were given a message that could go on for 10,000 years. But sadly, we're not living on that system, and it's bankrupting the world. And, and so I, I think so many areas we could go are very sustainable with the Adventist message. So. All right, I think we're going to take a break, uh, and we'll be back in 15 minutes. I don't know what our time is. What's our time? 15 minutes. We'll start again. 10. Thank you. This message was presented at the GYC 2016 conference, when all has been heard, in Houston, Texas. GYC, a supporting ministry of the Seventh-day Adventist Church, seeks to inspire young people to be Bible-based, Christ-centered, and soul-winning Christians. For other resources like this, visit us online at www.gycweb.org.